Our scripture today is Isaiah 12, 1 through 6. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you. O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away and you comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the nations. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done graciously. Let this be known in all the earth. Shout aloud and sing for joy, O royal Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Appreciate you sharing our scripture today. And thank the choir, especially. And Eddie, what a wonderful anthem. Makes you feel like Christmas all around with that. That's beautiful. Looking forward to the musical that they're going to be doing this, this next Sunday. And it's going to be great as well. As we've heard this reading, and we now seek its understanding for our life and our journey in Christ together and our preparations for, East, for Christmas, uh, let us pause and ask for God's Holy Spirit to lead us. God, as we read your word, we know that it is your word to us, a word that speaks life, that challenges us, that calls us, that speaks into our lives what you want us to hear. Sometimes, God, we're so preoccupied and our minds are busy, we're involved in other things, even as we sit here in these pews. Help us, Lord, to prepare ourselves to hear your word in a way that transforms us and opens us and that your presence of Christmas and your joy may be born in us anew. We offer ourselves in this very moment to you, Lord, as I pray that you would enable me to proclaim your word in a way that glorifies you, God, and draws us all in that closer relationship with you that you desire. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we continue in this Advent journey where we're seeking to prepare ourselves for the celebration of the joy of Christmas. You know, we, we light our candles each week, reminding ourselves of the real gifts that are given during Christmas of of our hope and joy and peace and love. And these are the things that we all long for in Christmas, isn't it? And yet so often, after all the celebrations are done, all the gift giving and the going and the coming and the preparations, we end up feeling as though we've missed it. I mean, Christmas often leaves us with anything but love and hope and peace and joy, doesn't it? And that's why our times here together are so important. Because in these times together, we seek to remind ourselves and refocus ourselves on what the real gifts and blessings of Christmas are all about, where the true joy is to be found. Last week, we took a look at the prophet of the New Testament period of John the Baptist. And now he told us that we are to prepare for Christmas by examining our personal lives and our priorities in life and seeking to Make our path straight for the Lord. Prepare you the way, he says, by repenting of our sins and by bearing the fruit of repentance, which is generosity and compassion toward others in need. Today we're going to be focusing how we might experience the joy of Christmas. 
Joy. Let's, let's talk about joy. I like talking about joy. I've known some people who were named joy, and I just thought that's the best name you could ever have. Uh, joy. It's a beautiful, beautiful word. But what does it really mean? I mean, it's, it's hard to define a feeling. And so if you, if you type in the word joy in the Microsoft Dictionary, what it says is that joy is great happiness. Uh, Miriam's online dictionary says that joy is the emotion that is evoked by well-being, success, good fortune, or the prospect of possessing what one desires. In the Bible, of course, you have the word joy and happiness that are used interchangeably, and so it seems to, to be the same thing. What does joy feel like for you? When is it that you experience joy? You know, when I think about joy, I, I think about um, doing the things that I love. I think about going to the places that I love going to or being around the people that I love. <clears throat> Even thinking about those things brings joy to me at times. Uh, uh, that, those are the things that bring joy. So I, I think we probably have an understanding of what joy means for us and what it feels like to have joy. But here's what I think we need to realize. You can't always spend your life doing the things that you love doing going to the places that you love going, and being around the people that you love. I mean, sometimes you end up in those places that you don't enjoy being at very much. <laughs> sometimes you end up around people that you don't enjoy, that don't bring much joy to you, such as those folks you encounter at the shopping malls this time of year. Uh, I, I don't feel joy when I have to take out the trash. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't feel joy when the demands of work interfere with my day off. I don't feel joy when I'm in conflict with my wife. Yeah, that happens to us preachers too. <laughs> I don't feel joy when I'm in conflict with anybody. I don't feel joy when I'm sick. I mean, I really don't feel joy when I'm sick. <laughs> I hate being sick. I don't feel joy. I've never felt joy when I've lost a loved one. Life is not always lived on the mountaintop. Sometimes life is lived in those valleys of the shadow of death. Times when life is cruel and unfair. Most of the time we live somewhere in between all of that. And, that, and that's just life, isn't it? That's how we live life. But when you're in those valleys or when you're in those that somewhere in between times of life, there's always this yearning within us to, to feel joy, to, to find joy somehow. And that's because we were created with this need for joy in our life. And so when it's not there, we yearn for it. We long for it. Uh, sometimes when we're in the midst of those valleys of life, we begin to think that we're never going to find joy again. And those are those moments when we begin to despair. And despair is the, the absence of hope which robs us of any sense of joy. Yet, when you read the Bible, we read these words like, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Give thanks and rejoice in all circumstances. And so we know that there's a way that we can find joy, that we can experience joy even when we don't feel it. But how? How? And, and that's really what I want to focus on this morning. Now, we're in the midst of this Christmas season that screams out joy all around us. And yet... Due to life circumstances, there are some times when it's hard to find the joy. It's hard to feel it. You know, some of us are in that position right now. That's why we offer a blue Christmas service every year here for those who are 
just not feeling the joy. So how do we move out of that melancholy uh, spirit? How do we experience the joy once again in our lives? Well, first of all, I think we have to recognize that joy is not just something that you can conjure up and make happen. Joy is a byproduct of doing other things. And there are a lot of things that we can do to experience joy in life. But when you read the scriptures and look at our Christian faith, there are at least three things, I think, that specifically the Bible talks about are ways that you can experience and find joy no matter what. And the first thing is that joy is a byproduct of trying to give other people joy. It's interesting how this works. When we try to bless other people and we try to bring other people joy, our hearts are lifted up and we begin to experience joy. And this is why we try to provide as many opportunities this time of year as we can for, for you to do that. And what really makes me proud about this church is this is not something we do just during Christmas. This is something we strive to do throughout the entire year. And I've heard testimony after testimony. There are people who come up here on Sunday mornings and share their testimonies of how in the process of blessing other people, you experience joy. Joy is a byproduct of trying to bring joy to others. And it works this way because the Bible tells us this is how we were created as human beings. Scripture teaches us that we were created and blessed in order to be a blessing to others. Jesus teaches us that we are to uh, love others as we love ourselves. We are to serve other people. We are to uh, feed the hungry and clothe the naked and be generous and compassionate to the least of our brothers and sisters. Because when we do that, we find joy as well. And joy is experienced all around because this, this is what we were made for. It's a common practice in psychiatry. When someone is going through a time of depression or, or feeling despair over challenges in life, they recommend to them that they need to go out and need to find something that they can do to bless other people, to bring joy to others, because in the process of bringing joy to others, they experience joy. This is how we were created. Joy is a byproduct of trying to give other people joy. That's how you find joy. Uh, the second truth about joy is that joy is a byproduct of a changed perspective on suffering. In other words, it's a byproduct of seeing suffering differently. And here again, the Bible is full of all kinds of examples about this. Uh, those who think that the Bible is just a bunch of Pollyanna, Pollyanna stories and, you know, and people who live rosy lives because they believe in Jesus, they haven't read the Bible, have they? Because the Bible is a story about people who have great suffering, and yet they're still able to find a sense of joy. The foundational story of the Old Testament is about how the people, of God's chosen people, lived in slavery for 400 years. Yet they held on to their faith and they were delivered by God finally. The New Testament is a story about a Savior who came to this world and yet he died on a cross, leaving his followers in utter despair. Yet he was resurrected by God, and that restored their joy. The apostles, they were tortured and put to death for their faith, and yet they found joy in the eternal promise and inheritance of God. When you, when you turn to the Old Testament, you find that there are whole categories of, of chapters and, and books in the Bible that are just designated toward uh, the subject of suffering. Uh, the, for instance, the book of Job talks about the suffering of the innocent. 
And you have the book of Lamentations where it's talking about walking down the streets of Jerusalem after it had been utterly destroyed in 586 B.C. And there were bodies thrown all over the place and there were, the embers were still smoking and burning and the prophet shouts out, My spirit is broken within me. It is filled with wormwood and gall. The book of Ecclesiastes is the reflections of a man who has lived his life and he's gained everything the world has to offer and yet he looks back over his life and said, it's all been meaningless. It's been for nothing. Uh, There's a whole uh, section within the Psalms that uh, is referred to as the complaint Psalms where people are just sharing their real life struggles and hardships. But you know what scholars refer to that section of complaint Psalms as? They refer to it as wisdom literature. Now, why would they refer to uh, scriptures about complaints, laments, as wisdom literature? That's because wisdom comes from suffering. Wisdom, character, compassion, depth of soul, all those things come as a part of walking that journey of suffering. Now, the Christian perspective on suffering is not that we go looking for suffering, but when suffering happens in our lives, we recognize that God can redeem our suffering and God can use those things in profound ways if we entrust those to him. We do not believe that God causes our suffering in life, but rather that God can use it to sanctify and to perfect our lives so that his purposes can be ultimately accomplished. For God will not let evil or suffering or even death have the last word in our lives. The book of Hebrews, we read this passage where it says, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the suffering of the cross. It's an interesting phrase. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy set before him? I mean, when you read Scripture, you see that Jesus clearly didn't want to have to die on that cross, go through all of that. I mean, we read how he made in his prayer, Father, please take this cup from me, yet not my will, but thy will be done. He was willing to do it if God, if that's what God wanted him to do, but he wasn't looking forward to going through all that torture and pain on the cross. I mean, who, nobody would. So as he's being nailed to that cross, what is he thinking about that brings him a sense of joy in the midst of that? He's thinking about how God will use his suffering as an instrument of salvation and redemption for this world. God used this suffering to show them how much you love them. Use this suffering to show them what is broken within humanity. Use this suffering to bring about their salvation to help them understand, oh God. That's what gave him joy, not happiness but joy in the midst of his suffering. Joy is a byproduct of a changed perspective on our suffering. I love how one writer puts it. I have found that in each and every failure, in each and every obstacle, and each time I face something that seems insurmountable, I also find the seed of something great. I have further found that it is actually because of the adversity that the something great is in there. Adversity, obstacles, failure, each of these things are as much a part of success as eggs and flour are part of a cake. Success just wouldn't be success without them. They are, in my opinion, a requirement for success. 
Miriam Williamson writes, something very beautiful happens to people when their world has fallen apart. A humility, a nobility, a higher intelligence emerges just at that point when our knees hit the floor. Thomas Carlyle says, adversity is the diamond dust heaven polishes its jewels with. When we look at suffering with this kind of perspective, it changes how we face those moments in life. Well, in those moments, we're not expected to feel happy about those things, but you can have the confidence that God can redeem your suffering and he can use that in in ways that we cannot see at the time, and that gives you an underlying joy, a peace that passes all understanding. This is why the writer of James says, My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. I think that all of us, if we were to really reflect over our lives, we realize that where we have grown the most in our life, the experiences that have shaped us the most, have been those times when we've gone through adversities and suffering and difficulties. And so we entrust our sufferings to God, trusting that God can do something with those things that we can't see at the moment, but he can use them somehow in a way that redeems us. And when that happens, that's how we find a sense of joy in the midst of our suffering. Joy is a byproduct of changing our perspective on suffering. The last path to joy, I think, that we find in Scripture is Ken Carter, I think, says it well. He said, joy is a consequence of keeping faith in adversity. It's a consequence. In other words, joy is a byproduct of trusting God. I mentioned at the beginning, you know, one of the challenges that happens in our life when we are faced with adversities and suffering is that we think that it's always going to be that way. Uh, If you lose your job, you begin to think, I'm never going to find another job. And you begin to despair. I visited with a man not too long ago who was in such pain that he just wanted God to end his life. He said, I can't imagine living the rest of my life in this kind of pain and feeling this way. So if this is what it's going to be like, I I just assume God take me now. (laughs) But since that time, he's had surgery. That pain has been taken care of. And there's laughter in his life again. and, And he's looking at the future with a sense of hope. I remember visiting with a woman who suffered the nightmare of having her daughter killed in a tragic car accident. It's taken years to get to the place where she is right now, but today there is laughter in her life. There is joy again. And she looks to the future with a sense of hope. As Christians, we trust that God works in this way. That God will never forsake us. That God will always deliver us somehow. That's the promise of Scripture. I mean, He may not be able to fix your marriage. If two people aren't willing to work together on their marriage, then there's not a lot that God can do with that. Uh, He may not miraculously heal you from something the doctor has said is incurable. Sometimes he does. But more often than not, he heals us in other ways. For those who die, there is the promise 
of eternal life. No more suffering, no more pain. Eternal joy with God. And when I've been with those whose marriages didn't make it, and they felt like they would never find joy again in their life, maybe two or three years later, suddenly they have found joy once again. When I've been with those who have lost their job, God's healing often comes in the form of opening a new door of opportunity. Often in ways they never expect. This is the conviction of our Christian faith, is that joy is a byproduct of trusting in God. Now, with those things in mind, I want to turn briefly to our scripture lesson that we had read to us this morning because it, it helps us to really put this into context. The context in our text for this morning is that Isaiah is prophesying to the northern and the southern tribes of Israel and Judah. And at this point, both of these nations have become apostate. That means that they're, they're chasing other gods and they're practicing idolatry and injustice. And Isaiah is warning them, if you do not repent and you don't turn back to God, Terrible things are going to happen. The, the great empires from the east are going to come and God's going to remove his hand of protection from you and they're going to destroy you. And he tried to warn them, but they wouldn't listen. And so in 722 B.C., the Assyrians came and they destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. In 586 B.C., the Babylonians came and they completely destroyed the southern kingdom and they completely destroyed the city of Jerusalem. It was just smoldering there, killing thousands and carrying away the ones who were left the slaves in exile to Babylon. Isaiah tried to warn them. They wouldn't listen. Yet as the prophets always do, when you read these stories in the Bible, they always offer a message of hope in the midst of that. And this is what we find in our scripture lesson this morning. Isaiah says, He will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were hungry, Though you are angry with me, your anger turned away, and you comforted me. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. After the devastation had taken place, Isaiah would say, There's a sign of deliverance that will come. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. In verse 11, 1, he says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. But here's the thing that you need to recognize. These words from Isaiah were spoken 150 years before they ended up in exile. Uh, These verses in chapter 12 are actually two songs that Isaiah gave them to sing as a way of remembering his prophecy of hope. Uh, It was his way of trying to embed in their minds uh, this reminder, this, this hope, and this joy they can ho- hang on to when these times come. You will say on that day, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. That's a song of joy for deliverance yet to come. While the people were in exile in Babylon, this was their way for them to remember that before this ever happened to us, God promised us that he would deliver us. And so they sang these songs over and over and over again as a way to remind themselves of that hope, that faith that they could hold on to when all was lost, when they couldn't see it. 
The Bible is filled with such songs, isn't it? I mean, you listen to the song of Mary called the Magnificat. Uh, here she discovers she's with child, and then she begins to sing the song of joy for a deliverance yet to come. He has shown strength with his arm, she said. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. The book of Psalms is actually mostly a book of hymns. And it has 150 chapters filled with these songs where the people would sing when they gathered for worship. It was a way of reminding them of God's faithfulness, no matter what was going on in their lives. In that second hymn that Isaiah gives to them, he says, Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be known in all the earth. Shout aloud and sing for joy, O royal Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Can you imagine singing those songs when you've lost everything, your entire city, your country, everything's been destroyed. You've lost everything and you're living in exile in a foreign country? It reminds me of the story of Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 where Paul had been, they had been arrested in the city of Philippi and Philippi, and, and they, uh, they'd been beaten half to death, their feet were shackled, and they were thrown in the inner dungeon of the, the prison. Yet at midnight, they began to sing songs, songs of joy for a deliverance yet to come. I, I, I love the Christmas season because during this time of year we, we were able to sing the songs and the hymns of Christmas. And they're wonderful times to sing that. We sing that at church. If you go to the, turn the radio, they're playing it 24 hours a day. You go in the stores, they're, sing, they're you know, singing the Christmas hymns and the songs. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but most all of those hymns that we sing, particularly the religious ones, that we listen to, they're all dealing with this. The Herald Angels sing, Joy uh, to the World, Away in a Manger, The First Noel. If you listen to those carefully, you will see they're all songs of joy about a deliverance yet to come. The very first Christmas carol was sung by the angels. After they told the shepherds about the birth of Jesus, we read that suddenly there was uh, surrounding the angel a heavenly host singing glory to God in the highest on heaven and earth, peace, goodwill toward all people. The very first Christmas song was sung by angels announcing the birth of a Savior who would deliver this world. It was a song of joy about a deliverance yet to come. And just like the songs of Isaiah, the, the hymns that we sing all the time, or again, they're reminding us of where true joy comes from. So many people miss out on this, this time of year. Uh, you have people that will miss out on joy each year because they're looking for joy under the Christmas tree. They're looking for joy and the gifts they're going to get and, or maybe that how everything's going to turn out perfect this year. And it never does. <clears throat> but, that's not where true and lasting joy is to be found. Joy is a byproduct of when we try to give joy to others. Joy is a byproduct of a changed perspective on suffering, believing and trusting that God can bring something good out of our suffering. Joy is a byproduct of trusting God with whatever we face in this life, singing songs of joy for deliverance yet to come. This is how we experience joy at Christmas. This is how we experience joy every day of our life. But I want to leave you with this challenge this morning. There are people that you know within your sphere of influence 
who are walking through a difficult time right now, dark times, a season of darkness. You probably know of someone who's out of work. You know of someone who uh, is facing illness or has lost a loved one or going through a challenging time. There are people around you who are walking in darkness right now. These people need to know that there's a joy to be found, even in the midst of those moments. They, they need to hear the songs of joy for a deliverance yet to come. And the only way that they're going to hear that song, the only way they're going to experience that, is if you seek to share it with them. If you become that angel who shares the good news, that song of joy with those around you. You can do that by inviting them to a Christmas Eve service we're going to have or to one of our church services. And, you know, th- at these services, we sing the songs of, of joy. We, we sing about th- that and we proclaim the good news of Christmas. And you have invitations that you can do that with. You can do that by reaching out to people who are in need during this time of year, seeking to help them out. All around us, there are people walking in darkness, going through moments of suffering who need to hear the joy of Christmas. The scripture says, to a people walking in darkness, a great light has shone. So let us look for those opportunities all around us this time of year. We can help others to hear that song of joy for deliverance yet to come. Remember, when you seek to bring joy to others, you will experience joy too. Let us pray together. Gracious loving God, This congregation, we come before you today in this season. And if there's one here who is needing joy in your life this morning, I just want to invite you to quietly say in prayer with me under your breath these words. God, I need joy. I trust you with my pain and my suffering. Do something good with it. Help me to be a blessing to others. Help me to sing the songs of joy for deliverance yet to come. God, how grateful we are that we can celebrate the joy that you bring into our lives through Jesus Christ today. Emmanuel, God with us, who showed us that you were never far from us. You would never leave us or forsake us. Lord, hear your people who are here today and bless them with the joy of Christmas. These things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I could invite you to.